Welcome to the family of the Tom Bernard Podcast with Doug Sprinthal, Mike Kelsan, Andy Brant Bernard, and Mike Bryant. God, we're just surrounded by talent today. It's unbelievable. The testosterone in this room, you can smell it in the hallways. Testosterone. Coming up, Mark Lynette and Alan Boyd are going to talk to us about sounds of summer, the very best of the Beach Boys. It was released on June 17th. Currently number 31 on the Billboard charts. That's very impressive, I would think. Uh, to kick off the year-long celebration, provide the perfect summer soundtrack, Capitol Records uh, will release a newly remastered expanded edition of the Beach Boys' career-spanning greatest hits collection. Capitol Records, baby, the old hometown. Mm. Working at Capitol Records. Beach Boys are, are surging right now. Well, they should be. Yeah, I mean, it's people are rediscovering them, and a lot of people, younger people, are just discovering them. No, well, it's good. We'll take a break. Be right back, right up to this. Who wants to start? I don't want to talk to Sprintall. Do I have to talk to you? You don't have to. You could quit this show like the other one, you big you mean baby. I could retire from it? Retire. I'm I retiring from my own podcast. I, honest to God told him, don't use the word retiring. So they used it not once, but twice. Right. <laughs> so, well, Jesus, whatever. They are radio people. They're not paid to listen. Or that, <laughs> oh, are you saying they're dim? I'm not saying that. I'm gonna... <laughs> anyway, uh, announce. Walzer Automotive Group. All operations are closed to celebrate the 4th of July. Uh, you can always shop online. Uh, all the vehicles are available for viewing pleasure there, but every store, and this includes our uh, body and collision shops, are closed on Monday the 4th of July. So happy 4th of July to all Walzer employees listening, and to all the customers listening, thank you for your continued patronage. I don't know what we're going to do without doing Walzer commercials after December 23rd. I'm just going to have to Sit in the corner and cry. I'll feel like Mike Gelfand. Won't you be doing this show still? I suppose. Well, that was an ad. That was an ad hominem attack. Wasn't <laughs> it really was, wasn't it? I'm, I'm devastated, Mike. Oh man, you know. You can understand. <laughs> Walzer Automotive Group. <laughs> Walzer.com. Yeah, that's vicious. You're a, who, what's up next? Are we I'm doing a Michael Bright show? Oh, Walzer.com. Yeah. And now. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant. So um, let's see. We can talk about people on their cell phones. We can talk about people speeding because the weather's good and they think that the roads are clear, so they go yes. speeding along. Um, and uh, also a reminder that sometimes when things happen, you should talk to your lawyer and get some advice on things versus doing it on your own. Like what? Bad things could happen, such as you know putting things in releases that you don't want. <laughs> I, I thought if I told them they'd understand, but apparently they don't get yeah, that part. But the process doesn't always work that way. <sighs> did you hear? Did anybody hear my my salute to the morning show this morning when I when I left? I actually listened to your announcement at 9. My, my meeting yeah. started a little late. I thought it was great. So did I go out of my way to try to make anybody look bad? or? Well, you, you know? said Dan Culhane was the biggest prick you ever Yeah, heard. I forgot that. <laughs> no, it was Dave Huffman. That's and what it was. Dave Huffman. <laughs> no, I did. Glad they're dead. Oh, I, oh, that's real that was nice. a little mean. Nice I thought dog. that was mean. You, you, said you that. crossed the line when you said that. I thought. What are you, the assistant GM now? Uh, Jesus! I know, all I said was that Dave Huffman and particularly Dan Colhane, because Dan and I worked together for so long. Two of the nicest guys you'd ever want to meet. Terrific people. I had honestly forgotten about Huffman until you mentioned him. He was great on I the morning the car show. Accident on the yeah. way to uh, a Notre Dame football yeah. game. Great guy. Great guy. Yeah, he he really was. And, and uh, too. you know my Colhane story. No. 
Well, so... Should we do this after the break? <laughs> yeah, we can do it after the yes, break. We should probably do it after and the break. And in the commercial at some point. I forgot all about that. I'm sorry. So Bradshaw. Bradshaw, Bradshaw and, Brian. and Brian. Yeah, there you go. Is that everything? If that counts as an after you, then... <laughs> God. It is true. The cops are all over the place in the highways now. They're pulling people over left and right. Are they really? It's tax yeah. collection time. Yeah. Mm. Oh, that's true, isn't it? Well, it's a holiday, you know, holiday week, I guess, and they, uh, you know, they come out in force. Yeah. Are we just in Rhode it? Island, Do we have to segue? Or pulled, we got one more. If you're in Rhode Island, if you're pulled over in those type circumstances and you pay at the scene. <laughs> They all go away. Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> imagine they do. Now the end of the spot break with one more commercial. Yep. Oh, God, we're <laughs> never going to get there. Hey, this Brian's up. Summer is finally here, and if you're like me, you've got some serious riding plan. Make sure you and your motorcycle are good to go with Dennis Kirk. Whatever you ride, Harley, Indian, metric cruiser, or sport bike, you'll find what you need at Dennis Kirk. 160,000 parts and accessories in stock. Clothing and helmets, too. Order before 8 p.m., and they ship the same day. Plus, shipping is free for orders over 89 bucks. Follow Zepp's lead and head to DennisKirk.com. They ship today. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. Just very quickly, I need to mention, I got a, several calls from the national media, like All Access and all the, you know, the people in the business and all that stuff. Every one of them said, why does it say you're retiring from KQ? I said, I don't know. I'm leaving. I'm not retiring. But would I be retiring from KQ, Mike? Well, I don't believe technically, so. Technically, you're not retiring. You're retiring from that job. He's leaving KQ. I'm leaving. I'm not retiring. Yep. So no, shut it. No, you know what you're it's supposed to. Not like you're to. writing the Declaration of Independence here either. We could probably just leave me alone. Deal with it. Get away from me. What you're supposed to say is that you're you're leaving for an exciting new journey. Mm-hmm. That's what I did. A say. New opportunity. Yeah. I said. No, actually, what I said was, if I stay much longer, I'll have to slit. No. I don't. <laughs> yeah. No, it's uh, the 36 years, 37 years. It's actually I'm in my 37th year. Thirty-six years happened on April sixteenth, so I'm in my thirty-seventh year, and I just said how lucky I was. Who the hell knew when I got a call from Dave Hamilton sitting in New York in our apartment, saying, "Hey, you want to come do the KQ Morning Show?" Because Andy, we're Catherine had gotten pregnant, and Andy was coming, and we couldn't raise Andy at Twenty Street and Second Avenue. Mm-hmm. So I literally hung up the phone, and the second it hit the cradle there, the old desk phones. It rang, and it was Hamilton. He goes, you want to come back and do the morning show at KQ? And I said, sure. <laughs> so we have Alan and Mark. Oh, we do. Yes, Wonderful. We do. Ladies, speaking of that, by the way, before we were living in New York, I was working at Capitol Records, and it was one of the most fun things about working there was talking to Brian Wilson and the Beach Boys, Mark Lynette and Alan Boyd. How you doing, Mark and Alan? Great. Oh, we're do- doing, doing fine. Magnificent. Yeah, I, I worked at uh, Capitol Records. From what was it, uh, nineteen seventy-seven to I can't remember seventy-seven to like eighty-three. <laughs> I think it was eighty-seven. Well, do you guys do you, did you guys know the old uh, the old people at uh, at Capitol Records? Did you ever know Bruce Wendell? People like that. Did you ever meet him? No, I think that's before before my time. I I was around there. Oh, starting in the mid eighties. Oh, so right, yeah. Oh, you took my job. Way to go, thanks. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> I, around there. I did, I, I've never been, uh, I've been a, a capital employee. 
Oh, I see. Yeah, I, I, I'm the I'm the new kid on the block. I, I kind of wandered in in the mid '90s. Midnight, yeah, so that's new kid on the block. You're absolutely right. We were just talking about Mike Gelfin is a, it's at the table here, and he's pointing out that the Beach Boys have made this wonderful resurgence. I've always been a, you know, it's kind of weird. I didn't have my own room. I never owned a car. I couldn't afford any of the stuff they did, but I loved the Beach Boys. I was not headed to the ocean on my surfboard, but I did. I always, I think the one that got me finally, because I grew up in the inner city, was the song I Get Around. I think it was like, well, at least that's a little city-like, Right. Well, actually, I think the story goes that uh, the first hit, Surf and Safari, broke out in Phoenix. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there you go. A lot of surfing in Phoenix. Oh, they surf all the time in Phoenix. There's no question about it. So I want to hear about Sounds of Summer. The very best of the Beach Boys have been released on July 7th, excuse me, June 17th. It's currently number 31 on the Billboard charts. I want to hear all about And I'm not kidding you guys, Mark and Alan. I love dealing with the Beach Boys, whether it's Mike Love or... Brian Wilson. I just talked to Brian a couple of years. I suppose it's a few few years ago now, but they're very very nice. Every one of them is just a hell of a nice person. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mike Love, especially, is great fun to work with on these things. Oh, I bet. Yeah. Whenever I interview him, he's got he's always got some smart ass comment, which I really like about <laughs> Mike Love. I, I do enjoy that, no doubt. Well, the best thing is, is if he if he throws you a zinger, if you can throw him one back, yep, you're in. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. Let's go to who's the bigger smartass. I do like that a lot. How did this all come <laughs> together, Mark and Alan? Well, the uh, the 2003 first edition of um, you know Sounds of Summer when it was just one disc kind of surprised everybody. I mean, the thing went on to go. Mark, did that go four times platinum? Yeah, they they thought at the time that it might sell half a million copies, and it's, oh. it's gone on to sell uh, uh, close to four and a half. A million at this point. So yes, a big, uh, a big surprise, which seems to be uh, one of the one of the co- the common threads in the Beach Boys uh, mm-hmm. history. Uh, uh, that the the public is 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 more anxious for something than the uh, than everybody expects. It's amazing. And and now we're kind of wrapping up to celebrate the 60th anniversary. You know, the founding of the group, and you know, the powers that be and management and everyone said, let's let's expand this greatest hits thing. And a big part of that was we kind of wanted to put a spotlight on other types of music that the group recorded over the years because they were, you know, far more than just the early, you know, fun in the sun and, you know, school stuff. Yeah, no question about it. It's it was such an interesting band because it was pretty much a family band. Mm -hmm. Uh, And of course, Murray was not that easy to get along with for anybody. But, you know, that's kind of how that went. But I do remember covering the shows when I worked at Capitol. I'd go see them and go backstage and talk and have a nice time. But when Brian came out on stage, four bodyguards, each holding a corner of a blanket or two blankets, I guess, he came walking out of the uh, the dressing room onto the stage, and you could not see him because you could, you couldn't talk to him because you couldn't see him. They went all the way up on stage, and then once he sat down, they took the curtains away so you could see it was him. He just did wow. not want to talk to anybody on the way to the stage, which I suppose if he's focused, I understand that. Well, Brian's very shy. Yeah, you know, sometimes you know going out on stage in front of tens of thousands of people could be pretty scary. So. Yeah, well, I think that's exactly right, and I think that maybe I don't know if it was his idea, whose idea it was, but but he he did like that, and it worked really really well. And the funny thing about it is, is as they're leading them, out, they take him out of the dressing room, and they're going through the hall to go to the stage. I could not see him, 
but I just said, okay, where do you want me to go? And he goes, hi, Tom. I couldn't see him, and he couldn't see me, but yeah. he heard my voice. So he said, hi, Tom. I'm like, whoa, that's weird. Right. <laughs> that, that sounds like Brian. Oh, yeah. that's Brian. That's definitely Brian all the way. Well, but. it's amazing that after years and years of not uh, being comfortable touring, uh, you know, starting around 1999, 2000, mm-hmm. he, you know, he has been touring uh, consistently ever since. He's out now on a long uh, summer tour uh, at the age of uh, 80, along with uh, – Beach Boy Al Jardine and Blondie Chaplin, who oh, was in the sure. band uh, 72, 73. Um, and it really turned, you know, something that really turned around for Brian. He he, uh, he really loves being out in front of people now. Yeah, see that, that, boy, I did not see that coming. I will tell you that. I had no, Nobody did. Yeah? No. Do you think psychology's gotten that much better that they can sit down and go, Brian, this is not that big a deal? I mean, do they know how to approach these things better and, and get somebody? Oh, out of that? I'm I'm certain of that. Yeah. I mean, yep. I, I mean, they know so much now that they, they, they had no clue about back in the 60s and the 70s, you know, when, when Brian was first dealing with a lot of this stuff. You know, it's so funny looking back, Mark and Alan, because basically when I was 12 years old, 11, 12, whenever they broke, I think it was 11 when the Beatles and broke, and then a year later... Uh, with the Beach Boys, but it was like, okay, so I'm living in the ghetto in Minneapolis, so I got a British band called the Beatles and another band that's surfing up a storm in California. That's who I get to follow on the radio. I thought that was interesting, because I had nothing in common with any of them, but I loved their music. Their music was fantastic. Well, for me, when I was a little kid, I was five years old, and and I became a nut Beach Boys fan. I mean, I was so moved by the harmonies on songs like you know, in my room, and my mom, when I was five, got me the Pet Sounds album. And Uh-oh. she probably, you know, she saw this cover, this Pet Sounds, and this happy picture <laughs> of these guys feeding goats in a petting zoo. She must have thought it was a kid's record. Oh, I you bet know? she, yeah, I bet she did, yeah. But it was so comforting and so soothing, and even if I didn't know what the words meant, that music really resonated with me. And I, I, I became a nut fan, I think I was probably the only eight-year-old on my block who got the, you know, the Sunflower <laughs> yeah. album the day it came out. But um, I was always fascinated with what, how they put that music together. You know, what made it, you know, what made it tick? What did they do? And, you know, I found myself in the group's orbit. Uh, I made some documentaries about them back in the 90s and then got into this amazing project with Mark <clears throat> where we went through and preserved and cataloged every tape in the boys' archive. Um, Just just amazing, the depth of the material, and and especially material that no one had ever heard. And and we even put a couple of the best unreleased songs we ever found um, on this new uh, Sounds of Summer project. You know, I think it's fantastic. You know, one of my favorite Beach Boy songs of all time, and I don't know that it was ever, it got radio play, but I don't think, maybe it was a hit, but I don't know. A song called Wild Honey. I loved that song, and it was just, it was never a hit, I don't think, was it? Yeah, oh yeah, it was a top top 40 hit. The, the, oh, was it? The, oh, good. Yeah, the original the original Sounds of Summer is is all their top 40 um, hits, and, uh, you know, they, they had a, a lot of records that were... Um, very popular on FM radio right. uh, in the seventies, but be, you know, because the way the charts uh, uh, changed, they weren't reflected in that. Uh, they they didn't uh, they didn't get on the original release. So that's one of the things that we've uh, we've we've done with this new release is all the other important uh, records in their career 
um, are, you know, are now available on, on this uh, three CD set. Why do you think it is that, that so many people in America, from New York City all the way to Los Angeles, why did so many people enjoy surf music and California dreaming and all, you know, all those things? Why do you think that the entire country kind of went, oh, this is very, very good? We had nothing in common with the Beach Boys, but we loved them. It's easy. Yeah, I do. well, I grew up in New York, and I've always, I've always felt in retrospect that, that uh, the Beach Boys, especially the Beach Boys, but other, other acts like Jan and Dean, yeah. Uh, you know, should should uh, should get an award from the California uh, Chamber of Commerce for yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, uh, making uh, California so popular. I mean, I grew up I grew up on the East Coast. There certainly, I guess, maybe there was there was uh, maybe there was surfing. I don't know, but uh, you know, <laughs> that all so. appealed to me, and uh, you know, every, everything about uh, California. <laughs> and there's more, of course. I mean, the beach movies and uh, you know the TV shows and all that. It just seemed like uh, you know to a uh, to a 12 to 16 year old like a very appealing uh, lifestyle, and the music just went along with it. And of course, we were all you know we were all skate skateboarding. Yeah. Uh, as a result of that, that's very God only knows how many millions of people came to California because they they were attracted to that kind of joyous lifestyle excitement that the uh, that the songs communicated yeah true kind of amazing dougie you got a take on that? i was going to say it's the answer simple girls in bikinis these <laughs> <laughs> well, boys are really yeah. just the soundtrack for a, for the decade-long ad for a great looking bikinis. well that's probably true i think i'd go november to april november to well, april yeah right. you look outside sitting, yeah you're sitting in three <laughs> yeah. feet of snow or shoveling out your driveway and uh you know uh here's the net and frankie on the beach uh uh <laughs> Take, yeah. take your pick. <laughs> no, that is true. All those beach movies and all that stuff. Yeah, I, you know, I tend to forget about that whole thing, even though I, I enjoyed some of them. I wasn't a big beach movie guy, but you're right. It was the music and it was the movies, and then we started talking about this, that. Yeah, you're right. It kind of all blew up in the mid-60s, didn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, by, uh, uh, you know, a lo- it was a lifestyle thing. And, uh, I mean, the same is true of, of other places. I mean, uh, uh you know, of, of you know New York and London, um, uh, but live, but being in New York and, and you know like a like a native, never going to, <laughs> to the Statue of Liberty or uh, the Empire State Building or anything. I mean, just you know, California was just a sun-kissed, uh, not the brand, but uh, you know other other <laughs> right. other world um, that uh, you know to a teenager just seemed you know just seemed so so appealing. And for me. As an as a well, a wannabe um, recording engineer, you know the the, the music of those, the the sound of those records uh, was also just so appealing. And the interesting thing about the Beach Boys, to me, uh, uh, in retrospect, is that they not only managed. I mean, they were they were they were a hit before the Beatles uh, and the British invasion appeared yeah, over here, that's true, uh, yeah. starting in '62. But they still and and unlike a lot of their contemporaries, they still managed to have uh, huge hits. In the midst of Beatlemania, most uh, uh, I get around and uh, uh, help me, Rhonda. And unlike pretty much anybody else that was um, around at that in that era, um, they did they uh, they didn't fade away. Uh, they came back in the '70s, uh, bigger bigger than ever, and uh, you know they remain a, a huge musical force uh, both historically and contemporarily, uh, even today. Which I which I think is pretty. 
pretty unique in the annals of uh, music. No quite. You know, Mike and Al and you know, several other people in the band, when I would talk to them about this that or the other thing, I asked them what it was all about, and they said, and they all agreed, that Brian hears things that we don't hear. Would yes. you agree with that? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Have, yeah. I mean, I, I, I engineered um, a, a, a number of his uh, solo records, and I was always, always impressed when we were going to do vocals. And Brian was going to do all the background parts, and he would he would uh, sing them and stack them up repeatedly, and it was it was it was about the same as if you already had them recorded and were just pushing playback on a uh, tape recorder because mm-hmm. he would do a part, double it, triple it, quadruple it without you know w- without any effort, without having to hear the first part, and then he would add the next part and the next part and the next part, and maybe maybe one out of fifty times um, he he would get the uh, uh, he would get the the, the repeated part uh, wrong. It's just 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 amazing how um, uh, you know how he heard these things and uh, could you know could vocalize them. I you know I've worked with a lot of people in the studio and that's uh, that's not something you see. Well, you, I mean I've never seen it uh, before or since. That, that, uh, it's it's an amazing thing going back and listening to those session tapes. Uh, uh, Mark Mark put together this uh, this great compilation just before I joined up, uh, the Pet Sound Sessions. Oh, yeah. And all those session tapes survive. And to hear Brian working with the, you know, working with the uh, those Wrecking Crew musicians, and even sometimes with the other Beach Boys, it's just amazing how on top of it he is. He hears everything. He'll, he'll hear the drummer do something a little bit different and yep. stop and say, oh, oh, wait, that's great. Do that again. You know, and uh, like I said, I, I've never heard anybody who could, you know, who could spontaneously come up with, you know, such rich, deep arrangements like like that guy could. I, so, I, I yeah. think it's a rare quality that musicians, and Brian Wilson is one of them, that he could he heard everything in his head before yeah. it was even yeah. recorded. You know, it was like mm-hmm. Beethoven writing the Ninth Symphony when he was deaf, or you know, Steely Dan had that ability too, but that's that's so rare with musicians. And I, I've done some studio work too, and a lot of it's horrible because they're kind of trying to invent stuff on the spot, and it doesn't often work. But a guy like Brian Wilson, it's just like you said, you pretty much just have to print it, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, you, know, you listen, you listen to the, the the sessions, and what always amazed me is, unlike most sessions you hear from that period, when they started rolling tape, the song is pretty much together with Brian. It, it, and you can hear this on the Pet Sound Sessions box very clearly. It really evolves in the three or four hours it took to uh, create the final track. I mean, if you listen to the session for God Only Knows, which incredibly starts started at about 11 o'clock at night and ran till three or four o'clock in the morning, it's very rough. And that whole middle section is something that, that Don Randy, the uh, one of the keyboard players, suggested, the staccato. And the amazing thing with Brian is that if if he heard something or suggested something and heard it, and uh, he immediately knew whether it was the right thing or the wrong thing, and it's and it stayed in, or he would he would find it. I mean, generally speaking, my experience with making records is that it gets very convoluted and very uh, granular. And in Brian's case, um, he, he was just so laser focused and knew what he wanted. As I always, something I always point out is that Brian's recording, he always knew after that process. I mean, you've got 20 guys in the studio and there's no, you know, you can't go back later and say, well, we'll fix the bass or the guitar or whatever like yeah. and today. And, and uh, he would work towards uh, the finished track. And when, it, when he had it, that was it. It wasn't like, well, let's cut it three or four more times and see if we can 
do it better. Uh, it's always, all right, thank you, we got it, you know, good night, which is, you know, and, and that's, I mean, that's what happens with God only knows and, and you know, wouldn't it be nice and, and uh, uh, everything. I can only, in my mind, think of one instance where I, I can re recall a master being not the last take, but the second to last take for some reason. And that's very, very, very uncommon in, uh, in, in recorded music. Yeah, most people don't know when to stop. Yeah. It's that's, hard. Yeah, it's, really, it's, re it's really hard. You get so, you know, you get so inside that you start, you know, <laughs> most people start to doubt, um, uh, you know, their, their ears, their mind, you know, whatever, because you're focusing on it so hard. And, and you know, Brian just had this incredible ability to... Um, to know when it was right. I mean, the other one that always impressed me was the very first session for uh, Good Vibrations. And mm -hmm. that organ sound you hear, uh, you, you can hear it, uh, I don't know if it's on the pet sound, one of the boxes, anyway. Um, uh, he, you know, the, or, uh, I don't know who's, who's playing organ, Larry Nechtel or somebody. And uh, you know, Brian goes, another stop, please. And, you know, so who, Nechtel changes the stop on the Hammond organ, and it's that sound, and Brian goes, okay, great, that's it. And it does, and that's it for the session. I mean, you know, th that quickly, um, uh, it, it, Brian decided that that was the sound he wanted and needed. God, that's so wonderful. You're, you guys are bringing back so many memories to me of different things, and I and I do want to hear it. And Doug, you're doing a great job uh, jumping in there. But I, it just popped in my head that. Um, when I left Capitol in 82 or 83, I can't remember which year it was. Let's say it's 83, right? So I left in 83, and about 22 years later, I interviewed Mike Love because I do a morning show in town. I've been doing it for like 36 years now, 37 years. <clears throat> but it was funny. After like 22, 23, 24 years, we have Mike Love on the show, and the interview starts like this. Hey, Tom, how you doing? Don't you owe me $20? <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, a quarter century ago, so I guess it's probably up to about what sixty dollars now with with interest. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but they were just good guys. They were just you know, they were your pals, and they were just nice guys. Not one problem that I ever have with the Beach Boys. Never a problem. Well, you know, they're they're for the most part pretty down to earth. Yep. You know? Yeah, they are. Just it's it's just hard to imagine though. You know, being so famous so young oh yeah and, and and then all these years later that's that's their identity that's their life that's what they know you know having been beach boys all this time no question no did their father have something to do with that do you think i mean he did oh, of course yeah. of course he, yeah. i mean he really he really you know paved the way and you know busted open a lot of doors for them he was he was pretty aggressive on behalf of his on behalf of his kids um, that, you know, that he supported it at all. I mean, I, I don't know about you, but in in my family, uh, 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 you know, no, nobody thought that this uh, show business life was, uh, you know, s something worth pursuing. Right. Um, and you know, they're, clearly, they're... Yeah, clearly, he saw he saw the. Ta I mean, he was a he was a musician and songwriter, so that helped. But clearly, he saw you know he saw the uh, the talent and mm -hmm. uh, uh, fostered it early mm -hmm. on. I mean, he you know he. Uh, he set up the music room and bought, you know, bought a tape recorder, and um, uh, you know, I, I think there was a real, uh, a, a real drive, uh, you know, to help them succeed. I got to ask. I you. mean, I think a good ten years before the Beach Boys even started, uh, I think he'd actually gotten the song placed and played on the Lawrence Welk show. You know? Oh, really? Kind of a, yeah, it was kind of a big deal for the family. That's for sure. 
No, we're going to tell people who Lawrence Welk is because people, <laughs> I asked the other day, and I'm not kidding, I asked a bunch of young people, they're probably 25 to 30 years old, about Rodney Dangerfield. They said, who? I had yeah. no idea who Rodney Dangerfield was. Oh, he gets no respect. No, no respect <laughs> at all, you know. You can, look at, you can get, it, get it all on YouTube. I would, I would recommend, as far as Lawrence Welk, look, look up uh, Lawrence Welk, Jack Benny, uh, Lawrence Welk. Appearing on the Jack Benny show. Oh, sure. Which is, which is good in and of itself, but also if you know who Lawrence Welk is, uh, you know, uh, you know, make, making fun of his own image. Lawrence. But, but I got to say, though, the Beach Boys, even though, because I, I go and lecture sometimes at universities, I, they may not know anybody, you know, prior to 1990, but they know the Beach Boys and they know that music. It's, it's really become part of everyone's, you know, everyone's consciousness almost. It's, it's so pervasive. Everywhere. Tell him your Rory yeah, McElroy story. Yeah. Oh yes. yeah, well, something yeah. something that we that we've uh, you know, as Alan said, we've really tried to do with this with this package and some of the other ones is to expose uh, people to the other other aspects of the Beach Boys, other parts of their career, and it's been interesting that it, it seems to have repeated what happened in the um, in the early '70s with the Surf's Up album, where they you know they had gone through a period where people of my age that in 67 were listening to progressive bands like the Jefferson Airplane and Cream and Hendrix and all that mm-hmm. and thought the Beach Boys were kind of, you know, striped shirt, old hat, um, you know, suddenly they became uh, uh, a hip contemporary band again with the, with the album Surf's Up. And, and what we're finding is as we re, uh, reissue a lot, of, a lot of that material starting in 68 onward, that the, uh, the the today's audience, I mean, you know, young young and old, but especially young, uh, seems to get it. Seems to uh, understand that um, there was more there than just fun, 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 and uh, uh, surfing USA. As Alan said, I mean, this is a band that that uh, in some ways has been so many different bands yeah. over the last sixty years. That's very true. Multiple, multiple, divergent, and at times. Mutually incompatible fan bases. Oh God, yeah. Oh, you got <laughs> well, except that. Except right. that once, once, once they, once they achieved that hipness or whatever you want to call it with Surfs Up, they're 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 out playing uh, for a new, much younger audience. That really, I mean, in some cases, to to the the Beach Boys' own chagrin, wants to hear the uh, the hits from the '60s. And if anything, uh, you know, as their popularity grew. Uh, they sometimes had a problem presenting their new material because the the uh, the older songs uh, were striking in her with a whole new generation of uh, of fans out there. Yeah, no question. Oh, very quickly, Doug just brought something up. This is about the Beatles, not the Beach Boys. But about four years ago, they're doing an interview uh, interviews at the the Open, the British Open, right? And Rory McIlroy's being interviewed, and the and the reporter asked him a question. Um, can you name one of the Beatles? Asked Rory McElroy to name one of the Beatles. And he thought for about 30 seconds and he said, George Lucas? <laughs> 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 no. Okay. <laughs> no, that's well, not, not one not of the Not everybody's a music fan. <laughs> <laughs> but people don't know. I mean, literally, I was talking to a bunch of young people, and these people were in their 30s, had no idea who Christopher Walken is. Why don't we keep... Look, I know my grandmother's favorite music, my mother's favorite music. Mm-hmm. My mother was a huge Glenn Miller fan. 
But why don't young people now care what their parents used to listen to? Well, so I'm sure I'm sure some do. It's just you know, uh, I, I have a twenty uh, not twenty nine year old son, and you know he knows some of the music, but music has never been the, the important in his life the way it was um, when I was growing up. When you had when I had an AM radio, and uh, what. Uh, Ten channels on uh, yeah, that's true on, on New York television. Um, yep. I mean, it was much more, you know, much much more focused, um, and uh, so I suspect that the demographic was much much wider. And of course, you know, my parents didn't didn't like the, the music I liked. If anything, sure, uh, <laughs> they they thought it was a bunch of noise. But they 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 knew who the Beatles were. Everybody did, mm. and. Uh, you know, and maybe maybe a few other people, the Beach Boys, maybe being one of them. But you know, you had you had much more of a generational divide. Um, whereas I think everybody below the age of you know thirty had some connection to uh, you know pop, popular music at that time. Whereas now there's you know there's a million other things you can be interested in, thanks to thanks to the <laughs> the internet, the very thing we are. Uh, we are broadcasting over at the moment. Well, I mean, the funny thing is, is my, my, my folks were pretty hip. You know, my dad played in local jazz combos and stuff. Oh. And when I was nine, they actually took me to the Winterland to see the Beach Boys. And this was full on early 70s uh, surfs up era. And um, <clears throat> my God, that was. Smelled like skunk in there, did it? I, it yeah, I remember asking. <laughs> What's that funny smell? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> but we're, we're sitting up, we're, we're sitting on the first row of the balcony. And it was a great show. I mean, they were playing really deep stuff like Surf's Up and things from their new album. But at the end, they just did this slam, bang, hit after hit after hit. And people were up jumping and stomping around so much that my mom was terrified oh, that the balcony sure. was going to give way. Well, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> my, really... Mine would have been terrified to to go to a show like that. Yeah. So that's pretty, yeah. I mean, yeah, That I think that's, I mean, you're very lucky. My only experience would have been that I, my, I thought at the time that that uh, the people my grandparents' age, not my actual grandparents, because they were they were squarer than my than my parents, but people of that age that went through uh, uh, you know the, the the jazz years were, and I met quite a few of them. They they were much more likely to uh, un, you know understand what was going on in the '60s. Um, yeah. Um, you know, with with that generation and their rebellion and their music and all that, even if they didn't like it, they understood it because they had gone through it, as you said, with you know Glenn Miller and and uh, um, you know art, artists like that. Um, Stomping at the Savoy, you know. Yeah, that's yeah. right. That's yeah. very true. We only have a couple of minutes left, so I want to get this. Uh, and this might make you hang up on me anyway. But what is <laughs> what is auto tune done to music? I, I most of the music I cannot stand most of it. It's just so well, phony. Yeah, it, it's it's interesting. I mean, uh, I like I, you know I, I work in contemporary music as well. I, right. do, I do a lot of live um, uh, music broadcast. And like everything else, I mean, modern recording—it—it's it, just uh, a technology, and it can—I would like say it can be used for good or evil. And so, on the one hand, <laughs> it, go, it, it, it can and is over—you know—overused as both a crutch, um, and of course, you know, people started using it as a sound mm -hmm. um, in and of itself. On the other hand, what I have found is um, take a live album. I and mean, when I was making live albums in the uh, 
in the 80s when we're still working on tape when you want if you wanted to fix something it was really you know difficult to fix one little piece so you'd wind up <laughs> you'd wind up re-recording a lot of oh, the sure. live album um because that was the only way to get it right now uh it's it's uh it's possible to keep you know you know near nearly a hundred percent of what what was performed and just fix little little pieces either by moving a piece around or in some cases in a vocal you you know you, you can tune one note or one line so it actually winds up being more authentic than it would have been otherwise um obviously the abuse um and and um you know is is more is more obvious yeah, I, I think the only good thing about the abuse of autotune is it's replaced gated snare as the most hated sound <laughs> in the yes. recorded history. yeah I gotta, yeah well and the, the other thing actually the other thing in some ways i think worse than, than autotune is um you know most live performances now use at least some amount of uh, playback um you know to yeah. augment or to do things that you can't do live on stage and that's great except that it means the performance Every performance has to be, you know, exactly, pretty much exactly the same because you're you're uh, you're playing the click essentially, and uh, I, you know, it's hard to say because there aren't there are less and less acts that that don't do that. But the fact that you can't react to your audience the same way, um, you know, you you would have uh, <laughs> so many years ago in a performance is, um, you know, I think I think that 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 hurts as well. Yeah. Mark and Alan, thank you so much for your time today. The Beach Boys, uh, currently number thirty-one on the Billboard charts. I love that. Yeah, Sound of summer. Yeah, I mean that surprised that surprised us when we, we yes. saw it uh, the other day. All right, well, stay in touch, Boy, Mark and Alan. Appreciate it. <laughs> Thanks a lot. All right, nice to be here. Yeah, thank, thank you. Thanks Great for having time. us. We'll be right back right after this. Tom here, and I'm talking with Brad Huckle and Mike Bilski of North American Banking Company. We've talked before about how working with a community bank like North American Banking Company can benefit business owners. Do you have an example you could share with our listeners? Our customers at Homeco Insulation and Blaine have been banking with a big bank for many years, but suddenly their calls weren't getting returned and their banker was unresponsive to their business needs. You can imagine their frustration. They had a successful business, wanted to expand, and their bank cut them off. They were ready to move on from their big bank when they referred to us. We knew they wanted to work with a community bank that would be responsive and would take the time to understand their business and its needs. That sounds like a perfect fit. I know it can always reach out and not only talk to an actual person, but I'm talking to an experienced lender. They've told us the same thing, Tommy. Look, I know Brad and Mike and I trust them with my banking. My whole family does. So why not bank with my banker, North American Banking Company, a better banking experience member fdic and equal housing lender dan chesky's here from dan Southside marine it won't be long now until we start seeing boats on the water warmer temps and open water are coming soon tom we have inventory in stock now from alumacraft premier avalon and manitou with more arriving daily what's the secret to finding a boat you're looking for this year dan my recommendation is to shop now, pick a model, put your name on it. Our team of pros at Dance Outside Marine will have the knowledge and experience to get the boat you want equipped the way you want it equipped. What about financing options? Right now, we are offering low-interest financing options up to 144 months with qualified credit. 
Ask for details when you visit the store. Alumacraft Fishing Boats, Premier, Avalon, and Manitou Pontoons, all powered by Suzuki Outboards, are in stock now with new boats arriving daily. Dan Southside Marine is located just six blocks west of 35W on 98th Street in Bloomington, or shop online at dansouthsidemarine.com. You all have helped build my pillow into the incredible company it is today and have trusted in Mike Lindell to give you a great night's sleep. Mike's latest incredible deal is on the Giza Dream Sheets, which you've heard me rave about before, that's for sure. These sheets are made from the world's best cotton, Giza. They are ultra soft and breathable, yet extremely durable. Right now, the Giza Dream Sheets at its lowest price ever. These sheets are 60% off, coming in as low as $39.99 with promo code TOM. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I was going to tell this to, to Mark and Ellen. I thought, nah, maybe I won't tell this story, but there's video of it. You can find it if you want. But uh, Lawrence Welk had a dancer, an African-American guy named Bobby. And Bobby would come out and he'd dance and do all this wonderful stuff. And he, you know, a hell of a talented guy. And that the end of the song, Lawrence comes out on national television, puts his arm around Bobby, and looks at the camera and says, and I quote, for them, it's so easy. <laughs> I wonder if he's related to Wolf Blitzer. Yeah, I wonder. So poor and so, so black. And so black. Yeah, that was what New Orleans was. Yeah, yeah Katrina. It was New Orleans. <laughs> you know, my, my kids love... Loved oh watching Lawrence Welk. I did too. They I thought it was why. the funniest thing they'd ever yeah, seen. I couldn't stand it. No. Oh, it was, I, see, I agree with Mike. I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> I was like, really? Yeah, but you know, you can see all the humor you want to in about five minutes, yeah. and then mm. and, you know, the, you've well, seen everything. But no, no they they thought it was hilarious. You know, you can still find him on on you know probably on some broadcast on some UHF channel. You can find him. You ju- you cannot beat. The Lawrence Welk singers, what were they called again? The men? There were women and there were men and they had different names. But okay. Lawrence Welk singers, whatever. Yeah. When they would try to do stuff like rock and roll, yeah, it was yeah. hilarious. Yeah, that was the best. I'm getting bugged riding up and down the same old strip. <laughs> like, really? It was a great SNL skit. Ray Charles was the uh, get musical guest. and they Oh, yeah. Were, uh, Dan Aykroyd, Gilda Radner, I mean, this was a long time ago, oh, came Gilda into Radner. the studio to to record a Ray Charles tune as the swinging Caucasian. <laughs> <laughs> See, Dan Aykroyd go. goes, you know, I hear I hear, Mr. Charles, that your ma and pa are from Arkansas, and my ma's from Arkansas too. I wonder if they know each other. <laughs> 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 Yeah, probably not. That's great. We stuff. have Tire Carver on the phone. Tire Carver. <laughs> What's happening, man? I hope. What's the latest? Not much. You finally going to start sleeping in in the morning? Uh, no. I'm there till December 23rd. It's five and a half months away, so it, uh, it's going to be a bit. And, uh, and again, for why they use the word retiring, I don't know, because I'm not retiring. I just, I asked them not to use it, but they did anyway, so what are you going to do? And I usually get along with management so well. Oh, yeah. I witnessed that over the years. <laughs> Mike is a... Well, I told the story that I almost didn't get hired in April of 86 because the owners at that time, who then found out they were going to sell to Disney, so they said, okay, go ahead and hire them. The owners, the McKenna brothers, were not going to hire me back because I worked for them in 82, and all I did was piss them off. So I almost didn't end up at KQ because of that. 
Yeah, such is life. Disney was the best thing that ever happened to us. Oh, you got that right, man. Whatever you needed, you got it. Yeah. And that's just how Disney was back in those days. Now they got the puke running it who's taking it down some <laughs> well, road. Yeah. That, that couldn't last. No. Well, that's true. It, the good times can't last. <laughs> Nothing You're right gold about can that. stay. But uh, I still like going there with grandkids, watching grandkids going there. Andy, you aren't going to believe when you take Ethan to Disney World when he's three, four years old, how he's, well, two or three, actually. It's so cool to watch your own child be that excited. Well, right now, when Daisy walks by him, he laughs so hard he can't breathe. (laughs) Yeah, well, there you go. You know, it it doesn't take a whole lot at this age. No, that's very, very true. It's, It's just, it's so wonderful that just to watch the little kids at Disney World and they're just so enthralled with everything. No, sorry, Tyre, what do you got cooking this weekend, Buster Brown? No, events with the ice cream truck as usual. Oh, well, that, where's the event this week? So, uh, let's see, tomorrow night's in Apple Valley, uh, Saturday's Plymouth, and Monday we've got uh, two of them, one in Plymouth, one in, I think, Elk River. Oh, I'm not sure. Fourth of July, that's a good thing. That's a good deal. Yep. But yeah, we're just going to we're going to work on getting this show syndicated with the family because I want to spend more time with my family, and well, you know, it's going to take a while to do that. But I got five and a half months still left at KQRS, so we'll see how it works out, and then I'll go. You know, usually I'd say I'm going to bed, but I think I'll retire. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> what else is happening? Yeah, they use that word real. They use what? They use that word really nicely. It's like, it's not retiring. I know. I just, uh, and I asked him not to do it, but apparently nobody got the word. I, I just, whatever. I've gotten to a point in my life, I go, why don't you just be you? <laughs> you know what I mean? Whatever. Correct? Yeah. All right, Pally. We'll have a good day, exactly. Tyre. Don't work too hard this weekend. You Thank you. Thanks a lot. Tyre Carver, ladies oh, and gentlemen. Never- no doubt about it. So, what uh, else? We have Joe on the phone as well. Jose Cuervo? Yes. Joe, what's the latest? Oh. Joe just hung up, so never mind. I think something went wrong when Tyre hung up. That'll all work out. <laughs> so the merged call. Joe, call back. So, honest to God, Michael Bryan, what the hell are you doing? Are you having a, like a malfunction or something? What do you mean? I've never seen you sit in a chair and be quiet for an hour. I have... You don't like the Beach Boys? Not that I don't like them. I just have Rhode Island. Yeah, I might as well be talking about you know um, quantum physics as didn't far you, as I'm concerned. Didn't you ever get bugged riding up and down the same old strip? Nope. <laughs> nope. We have Joe. Joe is there. Okay, Joe, how you doing? Good. How are you doing? Magnificent. I'm having a ball. I decided to give it up, huh? Uh, yes, except for I'm not giving it up. But it's, it's, just, it's just Are you retiring? Oh, God, why me? Why? It's about time you quit. Yeah, yeah it's about time I quit. That's exactly right. Man of your age. You I never said the word retire. You know what's amazing, though? i got to be the only dumb son of a bitch that's leaving a job, and i still got another six months to put in before I can leave. So it's well, six weeks. Will you and the missus be, uh, like, taking a long cruise? I mean, you mean after I retire? Yeah, after you retire, yeah. Yeah, yeah probably. I'll be about 92.5 at that point. No, we'll see. No, I, uh, it's just, I get home and I walked in, because between the shows I went home for a short bit, and I walk in and Catherine looks at me and, and she goes, 
didn't do it again, huh? I said, nope. <laughs> That's just how life goes. But like I said, have I ever gotten along with management anywhere I've ever worked? And the answer would be no. I just don't get along with those guys. Well, of that's people. that's one reason the show was a success. Well, that's true. You, yeah, you that need is true. you need people who to to be a truly entertaining radio show. You need someone who pisses off somebody. That's very true, and I piss off a lot of people. And and the, the thing is, you know, if you're an authoritarian type, mm-hmm. you're going to fail in radio. Oh, there's no question. No, you're right. You're absolutely right about that. Or you're going to wind up on the old neighbor. The neighbor, baby. Yeah. How's the neighbor doing? Yeah. Uh, who knows? Uh, he goes, uh. How long did the neighbor last? I think they last like 35 years, something like that, didn't they? They had a good run, yeah. They had a pretty, pretty good 35, 36 years, about, about the same period. So mm-hmm. and then I called him and said, are you retiring? And they said, leave me alone. <laughs> but uh, are they, now Roger's no longer with us, correct? Yeah, Roger died, I but, oh my God! Are you giving me the finger? <laughs> Wrong one. <laughs> Ryan, how are you? Come on in. Come on in. Come on in. Absolutely. We only got about four minutes left in this segment, so there's plenty. Of, oh, five minutes we got left on this segment. Good to see you. Good to see you. Good to see you. Nice of you to comb your hair this time you came. In. <laughs> wow. Now it looked it good. Did, did, no, you did not have a rough night. You were fine. So how have you been, Pally? Uh, you can put on the headphones. That's right. fine. We're good to go. You're jam-packed with what? Just campaigning. I'm going to vote for you. Can, why don't you put those on the right way? And for people who can't see us, Ryan go. Winkler just walked in. That's yeah. who's being attacked. <laughs> He's being attacked <laughs> like, there's, like there's no tomorrow. <laughs> Honest to God, I'm telling you, I am really glad that Pat's not here yet because the four of you going after him at once. Well, I'm, be, I'm leaving because I was just... No, I'm talking about a guy who hope you'd come in now. So That would be phenomenal. And Pat can't, <laughs> Pat can't have worse posts on his signs and Mr. Winkler does. What? Where did you get those posts on what are you these signs? About? The yard signs right now. Is there something wrong with them? Oh, my God. They're, like, made out of spaghetti. What? Oh. Well, they are very thin. Agent. All right. Yeah. We've got better ones coming. Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> We've I, got I better ones coming. replaced it with what I had, so we already got it fixed. But All right. Those are very, very thin, whatever they use. What are they? What are you talking about? Uh, yard signs. So, the, so for your the campaign. Posts, yeah. The posts you put in the yard signs. Yeah. They weren't. I don't know what kind of didn't uh, work of alloy was used Pro- in that. <laughs> kind of alloy? They're, they're probably veterans of long a lot of campaigns. Yeah, yeah. A, a yard sign right. that goes I, up in in June needs to stay up longer than maybe twenty four hours. Yeah, that's probably going to be a good idea. <laughs> you didn't buy him from take the China, did you? I don't know. So China. Yeah, there you go. Honestly, you know, I I, I haven't seen you in a few months now. Thought it's been longer than that, I think, but. I, I honest to God, I can't m- remember who the hell it was, but I was talking to somebody, and your name came up, and I said, "Oh yeah, Ryan's a friend of mine." He goes, "Oh, he's not." I'm like, "Well, I thought <laughs> okay. I was. Pardon me, I I thought you and I were buddies, but apparently, no, I don't know why. People get weird about that stuff. You notice that? Now, what do you? Yeah, well, we gotta, people we, are people. There are a lot of weird people. Oh God! <laughs> yeah, oh, God. <laughs> you think? Oh. Yeah. Yeah. There's no doubt of it. They're getting weirder by the day, too. Believe me. Some of the things I see going on now, it's like, are you pulling my tit here with this one? Or It's just pretty amazing. We need to take a break here because Pat Garoppolo will be here any second now. And then you're going to – so that, well, that was it? We get to see you for an hour and you're That's just – That's all I was here for was for an hour so I can sit here and listen to V-Joys. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> for all the people who love it, you, got, you just continue to so love it. So you don't like to be – I just have no interest in them. I, they're just not I wonder why. Deal, so – 
I just don't. I well, don't, you, you know, know not everyone Mike, here is a politician. Mike's into yeah, New York. Yeah, that's true. Mm. Mike's into New York rap. East Coast. Oh, that's God, his thing. God, I hate that rap so much. I can't. Yes. Oh, God, I hate that music. And the auto tune's even worse. Oh, yeah, it's awful. I hate that stuff so much. And would somebody tell Megan that Megan can't be a stallion? <laughs> yeah, I know it, it just bothers me every time. Every time, yeah. Mike, yeah. I'm here to tell you. <laughs> All right, we have to take a break. Michael Bryant is going to He's go. Out. You're out? See ya. All right, Pally. I'll talk to you over the weekend. Happy Fourth. No, you're going on vacation. So well, I'll talk to you Tuesday. Then. Go enjoy your vacation. I don't know about vacation. Call me back when you get back. You you've been trying to call me, and I have been busy, and you so always are. You just call me when you when you're done here. Give me All a call. Right. Okay. Right. Um, and um, why are you picking your nose while you're talking? My nose. Oh, I, I was, was trying to think what else I had. What else I had to say? Wasn't a pick. It was Plus, a scratch. There's a couple other things that I can't truly talk about. <laughs> You know, I mean, the good stuff. Well, or? No, the 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 stuff with your your contract. There's things that you get into that I just can't. It's not the easiest for me to to say over the air. Like what? Well, just generally. Go so. after yourself, that kind of thing. No, no, that's not it. No, is this the Learjet or the harassment charges? Week. We could have dealt with that. So. Yeah, but I t- I asked them not to do it, so I thought they wouldn't do it. <laughs> Because they've always done what you've asked. Okay, <laughs> goodbye. I'll talk to you later. Right, we'll see you later. All right, thanks a lot. Right, thanks, Mike. <laughs> He's having none of it. I think that's hilarious. And say happy birthday before you're done. I will. So, there you go. Enjoys, and it is always the fourth, right? Every so, year. Yeah, yeah, every year it's on the, the fourth. Is that on the fourth? It is on the fourth. The fourth is on the fourth, isn't it? Talking about Who my asked you that wife's again? birthday is on the fourth of July, and she was at a family reunion in Rockford, Illinois. Ran into a distant cousin who was, I think, stoned out of his mind and said the following. Well, it's cool. Is your birthday on the 4th every year? (laughs) (laughs) Well, is it? Yes. That's so funny to watch. Michael Bryant gets so so frustrated being my attorney. Well, who could blame him? (laughs) What? What are you talking about? Well, you know, considering the history there. Of what? Well, I'm just saying being your attorney is not always a plus. What do you mean? Well, I just mean that the previous attorneys have, uh, you know, come to a uh, just an uncomfortable end. You know what I'm saying? Because they stole money. Well, I, no, I don't know. I wasn't saying that. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! Look at those bad boys. Perry Mason, Trust baby. Trust me, I'm a lawyer. Trust me, I'm a lawyer. <laughs> All right, we got to take a break. We'll be right back. Ryan Winkler's here. Packer Ovalo's going to be here any second now. Mike Gelfand, of course. What's your name again? Doug Sprinthal, and we'll be right back. I'm going to call Pat and see where he is. Backstab. Is that what you're doing? Changing the name of the podcast to Doug and the Quitter. We'll be right back. (laughs) There you go.